The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Haggai, chapter 1, we're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 4. All right. So, while you're turning there, surprised to see an empty seat at a Super Bowl stadium, a diehard fan remarked about a woman that was sitting nearby. And he asked about it, and she says, it was my husband's seat, the woman explained. But he died. And the man said, I'm very sorry. Yet, I'm still really surprised that another relative, a friend, or any of these other people, they didn't jump at the chance to take that seat that was reserved for him. And she shrugged her shoulders, and she says, yeah, it beats me. They all said that they were going to go to the funeral. Priorities. A group of friends went deer hunting, paired off in twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering with an eight-pound buck on his shoulder. Where's Harry? One of them asked. Well, Harry had a stroke of some kind, and he's a couple miles back up the trail. And they said, you left Harry laying there and carried the deer back? Well, said the hunter, I figured no one was going to steal Harry. (laughs) Elsa no longer remembers what the argument was about, but it began before breakfast one morning and continued as Steve started off to work. How can you just go off like that, cried Elsa. We haven't settled a thing. Then Steve did what few men as ambitious and driven as Steve could do. He turned around, went to the phone, canceled all the appointments for that day, saying to me, in effect, that our relationship meant more than business meetings, saying that I'd married a man who would sacrifice work for love. Will you sacrifice loyalty for love? When you find out that your husband canceling those appointments got him fired? And now you got to move out of the house and move into an apartment? Priorities? See, today we're talking about priorities, and it's pretty funny when you see situations like this where the priorities are kind of messed up. It's funny because it's so true. But what about when, out of, uh, when, when our out-of-order priorities are not funny? Clovis Chapel, he wrote about when the Roman city of Pompeii was being excavated. It's the famous story about the woman. The body of a woman was found mummified by the volcanic ash of Mount Vesuvius. Her position told a tragic story. Her feet pointed toward the city gate, but her outstretched arms and fingers were straining for something that laid behind her. The treasure for which she was grasping for was a bag of pearls. So it's that famous one with the woman who was mummified and she was reaching. She was reaching. They said they found that she was reaching for a bag of pearls. Uh, Chapel said, though death was hard at her heels and life was beckoning to her beyond the city gates, she could not shake off their spell. But it was not the eruption of Vesuvius that made her love pearls more, made her love pearls more than life. It only froze her in this attitude of greed. Priorities. Priorities. When our priorities are out of whack, bad things happen. 
When a good sense of our priorities is lost, then consequences beget consequences. When our priorities are scattered, then in come the stealing, the killing, and the destroying. We become oh so vulnerable. Haste makes waste. Impatience is not a virtue. Leading and weeding to a dead end upon dead ends. And what is bad and understood by our culture today, family, we are just wasting our lives. That's what our culture is pushing us to. Did you think about that? Do you guys know that? Our culture is pushing ours, pushing us to the place where we are wasting our lives. Family, starting here in 2023, I'm urging us that we do not waste our lives. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in anybody? death. See, this is the beauty of the minor prophets. Always. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when I first started Bible college, I fell in love with the minor prophets. This is the beauty of the minor prophets. Why? Because they are major when it comes to giving us a vivid picture of what God is really like. Anytime you're starting to struggle with seeing what God is really like, we go to the minor prophets. That's where we go. May they major on that. Because unfortunately, like R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, like he used to say all the time, we have given the world a picture of what he would refer to as the Mr. Rogers kind of God. That's what the church has presented to the world a Mr. Rogers kind of God. You know, God, he's your co-pilot. You know, he's there to help you. He's there to assist you. God is just a phone call away. He's not judgmental. No longer the wrathful God of the Old Testament, even though when Jesus comes back, there's going to be fire in his eyes. We still got Jesus uh, looking like the bobblehead Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. He's the, pic- he's the picani sauce in my breakfast burrito. Jesus is like a vending machine. You give him enough, you punch the right bu- buttons, and out pops our hopes and our dreams. He's the Sandman. Give me a dream. He makes our dreams come true. And here's the thing, what we get all the time in modern evangelical preaching today is that Jesus will make your problems go away. You know what the problem is with that? What if you are the problem? Shane, you don't understand. God doesn't make my problems go away. You're going to be thanking him that he didn't. (laughs) We're going to be thanking God that he didn't make our problems go away. What if the problem is you? Family, messed up priorities is a major issue today and a major issue that our minor prophets is going to address in a major way. Let's take a look at it. Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. 
On August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of heaven ar- heaven's armies says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. What are you... Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is the very intention of the heart of the people who were just released from captivity, given salvation by God in covenant. And we were going to look at what they were saying and what they were excusing. Excuses, excuses. The second thing we're going to look at is the question asked by the Lord that challenges our priorities. And finally, we'll see the powerful answer given by the Lord when he sent Jesus to seek and save that which was lost. The thesis statement today is this. Remember, my thesis statement is always me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to find ourselves with misplaced priorities, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will show us that when we look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Excuses, excuses. Point number one, what is the excuse this time? See, this prophetic oracle is amazing. Starts right off, starts right off. He gets right to the point. God knows and hears the people. So just in case you were wondering, God knows what we're thinking, God knows what we're saying, and God knows what's in our heart. That's just a given. He knows what's in our heart, what we feel and what we think and what we say. And right now here with this oracle, he is not happy with the people right now, and it's shown right away at the beginning of this oracle. This is absolutely amazing. He says here when he is addressing in the prophecy, in the oracle, when it is coming out, he is using ha'am instead of la'am. What does that mean? Ha'am, we translate this or these. God says this, these people are being used instead of my people. Huge right there, man. You see something strange in the neighborhood, (laughs) right? Wham, right out, right off the bat. Boom, he comes out and he said, these people, these people, instead of saying, my people. See, this is already showing them that there's something wrong. There's something wrong. God is addressing you and is showing that there is something very wrong. Our God of covenant is not addressing us as his covenant people. These people instead of my people. You know what this reminds me of? You remember back in the day, you're young, you're in trouble, you know, and dad comes home and mom looks at dad. And what does she say? 
I want to tell you what your son did today. Remember that? Not our son. I want to tell you what my son, no, no, no. I want to tell you what your son did today. So you know what that triggers with my dad? Oh, what did he do now? You already know. That's, that's exactly what we're seeing here. These people disconnect. Soon as they heard that, their immediate response, oh, what did we do? God calling them my people. My people was always the way that God would redress his people to give them confidence and reassurance in the midst of their trouble. But in this case, he uses this cold and detached pronoun, this or these. These people, these people are saying something. <laughs> so what's God upset about? Now here's the depiction of the deception. The people did not say that they were not going to build the temple of God. What they're saying is that it's not a good time to do it now. Okay? Watch this. It's not a good time to do it now. Things need to get better on our side before we start to work on the things of the Lord. We'll get to it. God, don't worry. We'll get to doing your stuff. We'll get to doing and taking care of you. We'll get to it, but we got to take care of business first. It's essentially what they're saying. Don't get bent out of shape, God. Don't. Come on. How can the able-bodied individuals who are building our houses right now, how can we pull them away from that in order to do this? Let, let's let the builders finish our houses first. And then we will get to building the temple. Hmm. One commentator, I thought this was really interesting when he did some background research and I was looking at it, I thought this was really interesting. One commentator either suggested that we need to understand the context at the time and how expensive it was for all the materials that was needed to build their houses. So what they're also saying too is that God, we are building our houses, but you need to understand one very important thing. This stuff is really expensive. It costs a lot of money. So it's gonna cost us a lot of money to build your house, God. So, you know, times are tough right now. We need to take care of getting this, okay? It's really hard on the pocketbook. We just don't have the money to get to work on the house of God. We're not, we're not, I'm not saying we're not going to, but I'm just saying right now we just don't have the time. We just don't have the ability. We just don't have the money to rebuild your house just yet. Hmm. <laughs> it's not a good time to build your house, God. I got to take care of my stuff. I don't have the time right now. I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I don't have the time nor the resources to do what you called me to do right now. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I can't do it right now. I'm not saying I won't. I just can't do it now. You know, I got this promotion at work that I'm trying to get. You know, I'm working on this kind of stuff. And you know what? I will get to all the things that you need me to do. But you know what? Right now, I got to take care of this promotion. I got to get this promotion because we, need, we need the income, God. I'm working on, you know, catching up on, on some of my fishing. You know, I still have the goal of catching my 20-pound trout. 
you know? And if I don't spend my spare time doing those types of things, I may, I may never be able to do that. I got to catch up on some things in life. You know, there's some things, these, these series that have come out on Netflix that I haven't even started watching yet. I, I, I need some time. I need a free weekend so I can binge watch these TV shows, all these things that I've been missing so that I can keep up with what's happening in the world and have conversations with other people about them. My wife needs my help in raising the kids. I got to fix my bike. I got stuff I got to take care of. But when I do, after I finish all these things that I got to take care of, God, I promise I'll get to work on your stuff. I'll get to work doing the things that you need me to do. But when they were set free, when salvation came, when the people were released by Cyrus, what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to, did Cyrus say, hey, I'm releasing you guys so that you guys can go back to the land so you can get your affairs in order? Were they supposed to be taking care of theirs and mine? No. What were they supposed to do? Do you know what they were supposed to do? They were going back to the land for one reason, to rebuild the temple. Ezra chapter one, verses two to three. Ezra chapter one, verses two to three. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. They were not doing what God wanted. They're not even doing what the king wanted. I sent you back there to rebuild the temple, and instead of that, you're messing around with your own house. Doing your thing. Okay, Shane. Okay, Shane, I, I see where you're going with this. I feel it. I feel you're setting me up. I am setting you up. But you got to understand, I just don't have the time right now. I don't have the resources right now. You understand how hard it is to do things for God when you don't have any money? I'm a pastor. Of course I know. Almost in a way, sometimes when I'm talking to individuals about this, almost in a way, it's almost like they're asking me to show them how they can get away with this or get away with their excuse. People today are looking for preachers who are going to help them rest in this excuse. You know what? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. Oh, that, that's okay. That's okay, you know? We're going to figure this out and we're going to see how we can get, you know, all of this stuff started. But, you know, God wants you to take care of you before you take care of him because there's no point in taking care of him if you can't take care of you. This happens all the time. I hear this constantly. Take care of you to take care of God because why in the world would God want a a, a wore out, stressed out, dragging, weak, broken individual, you know, uh, just coming to the table to help God, you know, I'm going to fight this army, I'm going to come to the all week, I just, life has just battered me, made me feel weak, I just can't do nothing. And then preachers out there saying, God doesn't want that. You go take care of yourself. You get your life in order. You get yourself strong and strengthened. So that way when you walk, God is going to be able to use you in his army. You guys have heard that before, I'm sure. Constantly saying that. But you know what? God is asking for those who are weak, 
those who are broken, those who don't have any strength, those who are just dragging themselves across the line. Do you know why? Because God does not want us to go through life and fight the battles of life on our own strength. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us armor. He wants to give us the energy to labor doing what it is that he's called us to do. Well, Shane, how do you know that? I know that because do you realize that God asks the impossible? Doesn't he ask us? I tell people all the time, the one thing that God asks that's so impossible that I know for a fact God is not expecting me to do it. When he tells me that I need to love my enemies, sure, sure, yes, love my enemies, great. Yeah, the reason why God tells us to love our enemies is because he knows He knows who we are. He knows how we're supposed to do it. He never intended us to go through life without him. He never did. Never wants us to. So, you know, so yes, today I'm not going to give you a Bible verse that's going to let you out of the pressure cooker. No, the book of Haggai is not about principles. And this is one of, my, one of the things that I hear is, you know, you know, like I say all the time, you know, I, I know I kind of say it jokingly, but I'm not really joking, you know, that life coaches are like our, the heretics of today. You know, all this time, you know, I say that jokingly again, but I'm not so sure I am. But they'll come to the book of Haggai and they'll pull principles out of this. And you know what the heading is for this? Have you ever started a project that you didn't finish? You ever start things that you don't finish in life? Well, the book of Haggai gives us principles to help us not do that. No, family, that's not what the book of Haggai is. The book of Haggai is going to show us something really important. It's about messed up priorities and how we constantly put ourselves and things of the world before God. That's what this is. How many of us today are making this excuse? I ain't got the time, don't have the resources, don't have the money. Did God save us? Family, did God give us new life? Did God give us the Holy Spirit? Did he give us wisdom? Did he give us a new heart so that we can go into the world and get our worldly affairs in order and get them together before we take up our cross and follow after God? No. We were not saved by Christ so that we would be free and empowered to do whatever we want to do. We were freed and empowered so that we can do what we're supposed to do. Family, we were bought with a price and we are called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and to shout it from the rooftops. We are called to be like Christ. We are called to live lives worthy of the Lord. We are called to give where there's need. We are called to Jude 3, contend for our faith. We are called to consider others as better than ourselves. We're called to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. We're called to give generously, to share with others. We are supposed to do it right now, not when we have time, not when we have the money, we're supposed to do it right now. You see, God called us to be Christians. The things that he called us to do is not something that we put on hold. These are things that God has called us to do right now. Family, there is much to be done today. There is a lot of need today. The harvest 
is plenty. But it feels like in modern evangelicalism today, the workers really are few. All over the world, it seems like the truth of the gospel is being held under the shade. Why? Because Christians today are scared. We're scared. Oh, I don't know about that, that, that stuff. No, you know, let me tell you why we're scared. You ever hear our prominent leaders, the leaders you know, of all the, the big churches that we say are our leaders in modern evangelicalism today? They go on Nightline. They go on you know, NBC News. They go on this stuff. They go on Oprah. They ask them the question, you know, are, are, so are you saying that Muslims are going to go to hell? See, you know, but you said, you know, I said, yeah, I, I don't know. What is this? Why are we doing this? I hear it in the workplace. I hear it. I just don't want to say anything. You know, I'm overhearing a conversation about an individual talking to a Christian who, you know, invited them to church and said, well, well, you know, do you believe that homosexuality is wrong? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not the one that's actually saying it, and I'm not the one that's actually putting it this way, but, you know, and the things that you say, but, you know, how is things happening and, and, and what's going on in your life? And I'm sitting there, just answer the question. Why are we so afraid of answering the question? So all these, so Shane, all these other religions, you know, all these people, they all believe all these other things. Are you saying that, you know, because they're devout and all the religions that they're doing, all these things that's happening and all this stuff. So you're saying that if they die, they're going to go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. I don't even have to give the answer. I'm going to just let the Bible give the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So what you're saying is that they're going to hell. Yes, if you don't believe in Jesus, yes. But why are we afraid of that? Why are we afraid? Well, because we're afraid because we're afraid we're going to get canceled by culture. That's why we're afraid. We're afraid that the culture is going to cancel me. But here in Central Baptist Church, members of Central Baptist Church, please, I do not want to be at Costco you know, pulling frozen food out or whatever with Janine, putting it in the deal and hear a conversation like this and, you know, hear somebody not answer the question and I turn around and it's one of you. Let me just say this. I know that culture is going to cancel us. I get canceled constantly by people. But I'm going to just say this right now. Better to be canceled by the culture than to be condemned by Christ. Yeah. And people, people don't even want to be affiliated with me sometimes. You know, I get unfriended on social media constantly. People don't want to be my friend. And the people who are my friends don't even want to talk to me. You're like, hey, Shane, how's it going? No, they don't get none of that. It's always just like, hey, how you doing? Oh, oh yeah, hi. Do you know that guy? No, no, no. He says that you're friends with him on Facebook. I, I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook. You know <laughs> Christians in the culture, in our culture, we're scared. 
We're apathetic. We're lazy. Christians in our culture are distracted. Christians in our culture are being evangelized by pop culture. Did you know that? That Christians today know more about pop culture than they knew about the Bible. How is that possible? How is that possible? What is it about pop culture? I, Shane, I get it. I get it. But I just don't have the time right now. And here's the biggie. Christians have become, follow, it's kind of some big words here, so become unsightly, super sensational, self-centered. Do you know that? They did a research thing on this kind of stuff, and they said that by far, Christians are the most self-centered people in our culture. But think about it. Think about it. You guys listen to Christian radio still? I know that you know, a lot of people don't, but some people still listen to Christian radio. I, I, haven't, in, I haven't recently, but just before, several years ago, you listen to Christian radio? And you know what's funny about Christian radio is the commercials. You're still always intrigued with the commercials. You know all the self-help, get-rich-quick pyramid scheme ministries that do all that kind of stuff? You don't hear them on secular radio. Do you know where you hear it? Christian radio. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with advertising when you buy advertisement <laughs> on radio. Okay, if you got questions about this, ask my father-in-law. He knows about all this stuff. Buying advertisement with Christian radio. You don't advertise in places where you're not going to actually be able to sell things. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, if, if, there's a Christ, if this is, if this is a, a radio station that's listened to by women, the only people that listen to this stuff are women. You don't hear John Deere commercials. <laughs> you just don't. That's the thing that's amazing. And you know all this stuff? Come to this conference. Come to this conference and we'll teach you how to be a better you. How can you get a better attitude about this? How can we help you be this? How can you be that? All these, all these ministries, all these things, and as you hear the sermons that come from pulpits and all evangelicalism today, and the sermons, the things that you hear on, this, on the radio, on podcasts, all of these types of things, it's always about you. That's why in this research they came out and they said Christians are the most self-centered people. It's all you guys are concerned with is yourself. We've become unsightly, unsightly, super sensational, self-centered. And all that is happening and we continue to say, I don't have time, I don't have the resources to do what God wants me to do right now. I'm not saying I won't, I'm just saying I can't do it right now. I'll work on God's stuff after I get my life together. When my life is moving and successful, you know, you know all that stuff, I'll, I'll start to do this. Please, you know, do not let the I got to take care of business and I got to pay bills stop us from doing what we're supposed to do for Christ and his kingdom. Judgment is going to come if it's not here already. Oh. If it's not here already, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to us. Do you know that? That's not the message we get. All these things, let's get all these things added to you and then we can seek and to do for God's kingdom. And if we don't get, we don't do it, family, 
We're just wasting our lives. We're just wasting our lives. So what I'm saying today, don't waste your God-given ability in 2023. Don't. But see, here's the problem. The problem in our culture today is uh, talking about the wor- with the worship team. I'm just going to put it in the sermon right now. No, today the message is what's in it for me in 2023. <laughs> what's interesting, when we need blessings, when we need money, when we need healing, when we need rest, when we need strength, we need something from God. When do we want it? Yeah. Isn't that funny? When we need something from God, we need it now. And if God tells us, now is not the time for this, we go figure how else we can do this. Well, if you're not going to do this for me right now, God, I'll find somebody that will. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna help me with this? That's okay. I'll call my representative. Yep. Call my rep and see what he can do for me. It's funny how we need stuff now. Even when we're supposed to get things later, we want it now. We sound just like the prodigal son wanting your inheritance now. Normally, you get the inheritance when? The individual dies. Then you get the inheritance. Not us. Uh-uh, we need it now. Give it to me now. I want all my stuff now. It's got to happen now. We want the blessing of heaven now. Can I get all the treasures I stored up in heaven? Can God, can you send some of that stuff down to me now? So when it comes to building my house, it's now. Funny how it needs to be now. The Lord can wait, but I want my stuff now. Here we go, point number two, the question. The Lord is challenging our priorities today. Doctors Taylor and Clendenin, they write, his point is that it is repulsive to suggest, and some of them have done, that it is not yet time to rebuild the temple while at the same time suggesting that it's time to undertake building projects that contribute to their personal security and their personal comfort. You see, it's a clear picture. What is more important Our interests or God's interests? What's more important? Get ready. Here, buckle your seatbelt. Get ready. Here it comes. What's more important? Our interests or God's interests? And the the disrespect continues. Sapan. This is an interesting Hebrew word here because it's essentially a rough translation of it is roofed and paneled. But you know what it's used? It's commonly used and understood as luxurious. So some of your translations will actually translate this word in there. And they'll say, you have built, why is it that you have luxurious houses? Not just houses, but luxurious houses while the Lord's house remains in ruin. Why is this important? You say it's not time to work on the Lord's house, But you not only have time to finish your house, but you got time to add all the comforts and luxuries to your home. Wow. You see? 
Not only do you have time and the resources and the money to make a house, (laughs) you got an amazing house while the Lord's house remains in ruin. And here's the other thing. Not only this, where'd you guys get the money? Where did you guys get the money and the resources to make your houses so luxurious when you're telling me you don't have the money or the resources to build the Lord's house? But you got the money to do that. I thought it was economic hardship time. I thought you guys were struggling. I thought you guys were living in the time where the Democrats were... No, I'm just kidding. You guys were living in the time... (laughs) Oh, I guess it wasn't funny. All right, you were living in a time where there's an economic crisis and interest rates are high and just, there's just not a lot of money. But somehow, some way, you guys are able to afford a trash can that tells you, thank you. <laughs> Have you seen that trash can? It's a trash can, you put it in and you walk away and says, thank you. Man! Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool, so I went and looked it up. $500. Now, okay, now, now let, me just, let me jump off of this here really quick. Let me just share something with you that blew me away. $500 for this trash can, right? <laughs> you know how, like, they rate it? You know, you know what I'm saying? There's like the rating, right? To see, like, is it really worth anything? Let's see the ratings, right? So this thing has got like four and a half stars. But that's not what blew me away. What blew me away is there's four and a half stars and there's like 50,000 people that, which means what? 50,000 people in this world, at least, paid $500 for a trash can and you walk away and says, thank you. And oh, and you can do it in different voices. You know, you get different ask, you know, accents. But you yeah, thank you, or thank you. Oh, uh, they even have the Hawaiian one. Mahalo. <laughs> you can program it. <laughs> but we can't finish God's house. We got all these luxuries, no money to finish the house, but somehow you guys got money to do the stuff that you guys want. How can this be? We tend to give God the leftovers if there's leftovers at all. Man, this is the thing that we see when even when it comes to worship, we give God the leftovers. You know, all week long, you're coming into work, you got your, hey, I'm great, good attitude, strong, all this stuff, Monday morning, blah, 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 there's all this, and, and a good attitude, strong, all this stuff, and you walk in on Sunday morning, you're like, come here on Sunday morning, I was up till 12 o'clock last night, you know, and I wanted to come on New Year's Day, because I didn't want to be like the heathens out there, I suppose I'm going to give whatever thing I have left to God, oh God, okay, I'll raise one hand, I don't have the strength for two. Lord, thank you, and we give God the leftovers. When it came to the sacrifices, were we supposed to offer up the leftovers to God? Now we're supposed to give him the best of the best. Well, God, if there's anything left, Lord, I'll be sure to leave it on my front porch, and you can send one of the angels to come pick it up. Yeah, because we don't even want to deliver it to God. God, if you want it, come get it. 
Do we not realize that we are subjecting God to scorn and shame when we do that? Do you imagine people from the world looking at Christians coming in? You guys say that you guys worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You guys say that Jesus is your all. Do you guys say that Jesus is everything? You guys say that Jesus died for your sins, that God made the sacrifice of actually sending his son to die on the cross for you. He did all this wonderful stuff. You say you believe this, and when you walk in to celebrate this moment, you're, oh, Lord. Just, this is all I got for you. Just help me if you can. But you're the man. Do we realize that this brings shame upon our God? Because our priorities are so messed up that after all the wonders and the miraculous of delivering the people of God out of captivity back into the promised land and covenant with the living God after all the Lord has done, you would think that the people would be quick to bring honor and gratitude to the house of God, but they didn't. It was actually the last thing they had on their list. And when we, do we not recognize that the onlookers are looking at this and they ridicule? Look at what the people of God think. Look at what they think of their God. I can't believe that they actually believe the things that they say about this God because if they actually believed it, I don't think that they would have a bad attitude about all of this stuff. They give all they got for themselves, but don't even attempt to fix the house that matters. Wow. What a way to start the new year, huh, family? (laughs) Have we come to the place where we have put the Lord and his worship on the side to focus on what we need and what we believe we need to focus on, which, according to some researchers, saying ourselves. I can't tell you, family, how many Christians today tell me they don't go to church anymore because they're too busy. Have you heard that? I hear that all the time today. Oh, I just haven't been to church. Wow, you just haven't found a church that you like? No, there's a couple churches that I like. Well, why aren't you going going to church? Dude, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy to go to church. They just don't have time for it. Man, I don't know if you guys had, it had this, but I remember the day when our lives revolved around the church. Everything we did revolved around the church. Did you know that, you know, for me, for Steve, you know, our, our, our generation, you know, I'm not saying this was our generation. I know this is you guys too. But I remember us when we were talking about, oh, we got to find a new apartment. I got to find something, all this kind of stuff. You know what was one of the factors that we had for it was? How close is it to Church. We rented, bought houses, bought apartments, bought condos with the idea that we wanted it to be close to the church. That's, that's how we used to have. Remember those days we used to do that? Our, our schedule, our works, our hobbies used to be scheduled around church service. You know, like for me, it was always this. When I went in to apply for a job, they always talked about, okay, what about schedule, all this kind of stuff. What was the things that I was asking for? There was two things that was always on my list. Number one, Wednesday night. Number two, Sunday morning. All I'm asking for is Wednesday night off and Sunday morning off. I really want all day Sunday so I can go to Sunday night service too, but I know I got to give. Wednesday night, Sunday morning. That's how it is. That was my schedule. Wednesday night, Sunday morning. Hey, you want to go have fun? When is it? Wednesday night? No, I can't do it. It's on Wednesday night. Well, why don't you want to do this? This is church. You know? But it's Bronco tickets. That's okay. They're playing on Wednesday. Okay. 
We never tried to see if we could fit church into our schedule. Did you know, and I was listening to, to watching TV, and, and I was listening to a preacher late night. I couldn't sleep. It was one of those late night preachers, and he was talking to the congregation about how they can get church fit into their schedule. Like, you know, you could try to do this, you could do this, and trying to come up with creative ways of getting church service in your schedule. I could not believe that was actually being, that preached from a pulpit. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Preaching, uh, uh, trying to figure out how to get church in your schedule? Church was scheduled, everything else, you know, everything else was there, and if there was room, you'd fit church in there. Oh, good, good, good job. Look at that. We got this Sunday free. Let's go to church that day. Oh, okay. One pastor um, said that the reason why they didn't have church on Christmas Sunday is because they didn't want to add another event for the members to attend. You, you believe that? I couldn't believe that. I was like, my jaw dropped. I don't want to add another event. You guys are so busy. We don't want to inconvenience or put another thing for you to do, so we're going to cancel service. Man, if I just, I just, I just got my grandmother, God rest her soul, if I would have ever said anything like that. She was a Texas woman now. You know, when they say stuff like, you know, I will reach through the phone and choke your neck. You believe them because they're Texas women. They figure out how to do stuff. They do. Just in two seconds, you're choking for some reason. If I would have ever said that, my grandmother would have punched me in the face and then gave me a ham sandwich afterwards. But she'd have punched me in the face. I just, I just think, I just always think like the stuff that we're hearing today from the church, I just wonder what are the, the, the Christians that have set so much, the Christians, the blood and the tears that founded the church, the modern church today, what are they thinking? I just, I just, I just, I just wonder about this stuff. They didn't have church because they didn't want to add an event to, their, to their, their members' busy schedules. God is asking for a day. You know, for a lot of us, a couple hours a, a, a week. And when it happens to be on the day that we celebrate the birthday of the King of Kings, we shut his house down. This is a huge problem in our church today. Why has the church become so indifferent? Why have we become so narcissistic? What has happened to the body of Christ? We say God is number one, but we're the ones sitting on the throne with the remote control. We say God is number one, but Christ is still our co-pilot? For real? Modern evangelicalism is the hot spot right now for what I like to call license for luxury. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what people will sell to Christians today, what's being advertised to Christians today, and what it is that, that we'll do, what it is that we'll buy. It's not just living life, but we have this mentality that we, we're not living life in this world, but we're supposed to thrive in the world with all the best that life has to offer. And if you don't got it, you should want it. And I will tell you how God will help you get it. Get all that your sinful little hearts desire. 
All you got to do is subscribe to my ministry site for $29.99 a month, and I will give you a license for luxurious living with the Lord. Wow. That actually, pretty good. What do you think, Steve? You think that's marketable? License for luxurious living with the Lord. (laughs) Who wants in? You guys want in? All right, yeah, I got some takers. All right. (laughs) Every, I mean, here's here's the reality when it comes to luxury, family. A, a, A great man of the Lord said this to me once, and I've been convicted of it for years and years and years. Did you know that every penny we spend on luxury is one less penny given to the kingdom of God for the preaching of the gospel? Do you know that? Every dollar we spend on our life of luxury for trash cans that say thank you is one more person who's going to go to hell because legit ministries can't afford to stay one more day in the field. Everywhere, this kind of stuff is what's happening. And then what makes it even worse, and I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the business meeting, I'm biting my fingernails, blood starting to come down because I'm biting it while I'm listening to the report. Did they classify those women as staff when they gave the report? No. They put them in the number four missionaries. Oh my gosh, I went ballistic. (laughs) Got myself thrown out of the room even too. (laughs) But they had to deal with me because I was a trustee from NAM. (laughs) And my appointment for NAM actually didn't come from uh, Hawaii. Family, what will happen to us if if we have misplaced priorities? (sighs) The judgment of God is real. It's apparent. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In reality, God is not supposed to be, let me just say this, God is not supposed to be our highest priority in life because that's, that's making God the highest priority is actually shameful. Do you know that? Because God is not even something that would even be categorized as a priority. Do you guys prioritize breathing? Oh, I got to make breathing a priority in my life. I got to make eating a priority in my life. No, we don't make those things priorities in our life because it's life. Jesus is life. He is our life. There is no life apart from Christ. No Christ, no life. Wasting our lives by trying to live the best life we can now, gaining the whole world but losing our own soul. Philippians chapter 2 verse 21, Philippians 2.21, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. It's because of sin that we lose sight of this. Sin causes the disillusionment and the deception. It causes us to fall for the deception and the disillusionment. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no that one. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. And what is it like or what kind of thing is it to fall into the hands of the living God? It's a terrible thing. 
The wages of sin is death. The cost is weeping and gnashing of teeth for eternity. Eternal darkness. Eternal fire. But family, we can be saved from this. Because salvation is here for us today. Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he personally carried our sins in his bodies on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds, you are healed. And the promises continue that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible promises you what? You will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is awesome. This is the good news of Jesus. This is why we live. This is why we move. This is in whom we have our being. Jesus is not just our highest priority. He's our everything. He's the reason for it all. Not just a reason for the season. Reason for it all. He is our only. No more of this mentality of how much of this life I can live and still be in God's good graces. It's just, it's just God is life and that's it. Let me say that again. God is life and that's it. How much of this life can I have, Shane, and still be in God's good graces? God is life and that's it. C.S. Lewis said it. I love it and I repeat it over and over again. You aim. <laughs> you aim at heaven and earth is thrown in. You aim at earth and you get neither. Let's pray. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.